You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. If you read the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul makes a promise to these Christians that he is going to come and spend time with them. He's not going to just go and spend time with them. He's going to spend considerable amounts of time with them, and he wants to be with them. He loves them. He's been called to minister to them. And I don't doubt that if he would go to them, he'd bear fruit if he'd go. It's not a bad desire. It's not a bad plan. It's a good plan. He wants to go, and he purposes to go, but... He says this, but I will tarry. There's a good thing out there that he wants to do, but it's not time to do it yet. There's a desire that's a right desire, a godly desire, but God hasn't given him the green light for it yet. And he says this, as much as I'd like to be with you and come and serve with you, I realize in verse number nine, there's a great door and effectual open for me right here. He's been in Ephesus for three years at least, almost three years. He's been serving there. He's been ministering there. He's been in conflict there. The entire city's turned against him. There's been a lot of good, a lot of hardship. But God wasn't done with him there yet. And so he said, before I leave here and go to you, even though it'd be good to be with you, I got to wait till God says go. For a little while today, I want to talk to you on this thought. Let God decide when to shut the door. God is in control of the doors in our life, open and shut. This, this past spring, Brother Caleb and I went to, uh, where is that, Iowa? Where is the youth conference? In Iowa. And uh, I made a mistake and booked a flight. He flew that mor- the morning, Monday morning, and got there before I did, and I left Sunday night. And I flew to the wrong airport. I flew to an airport like three hours away from the church. I thought, it's Iowa. Everything's within an hour of everything, I thought, but it's not... Three hours, I got a rental car and began to drive. And it took me, it took me like five or six hours to get to the place where he and I were staying. And when I got there, I was worn out. And Caleb looks looks fresh like he always, just so annoying, you know, just Caleb how he is. And hey, buddy, hug immediately and just awkward. But um, it took me all day to get there. Because my GPS kept taking me down these routes that would be normally just the direct route. And I kept getting to these areas and there's a sign that would say road closed. Now, I don't know if you're like I am, but my first reaction when it says road closed ahead is to see how far ahead it is, because it might be further down than my turn. You never never know. And that's the country. And you go down those roads with those road closed signs, and it never works out well. I read an illustration when I was studying for this about a man who did that. They were on family vacation, and they began to drive, and they got to one of those road closed signs, and he was kind of hard-headed, unlike any of the men here today. We're none of us are like that, but this man was like that. And uh, he said, I I think we can go around this thing. And he did. He went around the barricade and kept driving. And for many miles, it worked out pretty good. And he began to get a little bit arrogant, a little cocky, and just bragging. I told you, we didn't need to stop. I mean, we're doing fine. And then all of a sudden, he got to the place where the bridge had been totally washed out. And there was no way to get across it at all. And then he had to hang his head in shame and drive like the several miles back with his wife, probably not being the sweetest to him as they did. And as they went back, they got to the back side of that road closed sign. And somebody had spray painted the back of it. Welcome back, stupid. (laughs) Wouldn't that be bad? How often, though, does that happen to us? There's a phrase that I grew up hearing 
where I grew up in the mountains. And it's a common phrase. In fact, it's a Bible phrase. And it acknowledges the leadership of God in the life of every person. Now, I've heard the phrase used wrong. Of course, just like anything, you can take something good and use it for bad. And I've heard the phrase used as an excuse. But on its face, it's a very powerful statement. Maybe you've heard it and maybe you've used it. And I think it came out of verse number 7 where Paul said, if the Lord permits. But here's the phrase that I'm talking about. You ever heard anybody say this before, Lord willing? You ever heard that before? Where I'm from, they say, Lord willing. Lord willing. Have you ever heard that? I can picture my grandparents saying that. They say it all the time. I can picture sitting on the back porch of their house at a wooden swing, and they'd sit there and just kind of rock and things, no, never in a hurry to do anything, and just ask them questions. And say something like this, are you going to come for supper tomorrow? And they say, well, Lord willing, yeah. or something like that. Say, well, you, you think you're going to be in church on Sunday? Lord willing. Yeah. Everything's Lord willing. Uh, do you think it might rain tomorrow? Lord willing. Yeah. Uh, do you think Biden will ever be a good president? Lord, no. I mean, whatever, Lord willing. You know, I mean, maybe if God's in it, right? What it means is if God permits it, then we'll do it. If God is in it, then we'll go. If God says okay, then it's going to happen. Lord willing is basically saying this, whether there is a providential direction that says no or providential direction that says go, whatever God says is what I plan to do. What it does is it, it, it acknowledges God controls the green light, God controls the yellow light, and God controls the red light in my life. Lord willing, it's this, God gets to determine where I go, God determines how long I stay, God determines every move, and God determines the stops that I make along the journey of my life. The longer you live, and the longer I live, probably the more we realize this, we are often presented with things that we could say are open doors. An open door would be something that seems uh, to be a, a favorable change or a favorable opportunity. And the longer you live, it just happens. Good things roll into our lives. Opportunities come up. There are new paths that come into view that you didn't see before. And there might be something that we perceive to be better than what we currently have. But here's the lesson. Unless God shuts the door on what you're currently involved in, don't run and kick down a door that God has yet to open. God is the God of the doors that we go through. In Revelation 3 and verse 8, he said, I set before thee an open door. And he said, no man can shut it. And something that I've learned, and probably something that you've already learned, is this. I can often mistake an admirable desire or even a good opportunity to be an open door. But just because the desire is out there, and maybe I can get it, or there's an opportunity out there, and maybe it's available to me, it might not necessarily mean that God is in it. If God hasn't shut a door where you are, then he probably has not opened a door someplace else. Shutting the door is not equivalent to you having difficulty. Shutting the door is not equivalent to you getting bored. Amen. Shutting the door is not equivalent to you being criticized. Shutting a door is not equivalent to you being discontent. God is the God of change and the God of consistency and leave it up to God. Do not turn the page until God puts a period on whatever it is. I think more Christians bring misery into their lives because they slam a door shut that God wanted it to stay open. Then they ran off and kicked the door down that God never wanted to open for them. Here's what happens. They get burned out where they are, so they think the door's shut. 
They get familiar with what they are doing, so they think the door is shut. They get restless because they say, well, everything's just routine now, and they shut the door. They get blinded to the big things God is doing where they are and think maybe God could do something better for me over there, so they shut the door. It happens in ministry. It happens in business. It happens in careers. It happens with cars and houses. We just get tired of it, whatever it is, and think, well, God is done with that situation. But here's what I want to do. I want to admonish us today. Let God be the doorkeeper in your life. Don't Don't try to stand in God's place. Don't try to step in God's shoes. Don't try to fill God's position. He is the God of the starts. He's the God of the stops. He's the God of the goings. He's the God of the stayings. Let God be God and you just trust him. No matter what you assess to be the benefit, let God shut the door. No matter what you think might be the outcome, let God shut the door. No matter how green the grass looks or how fruitful the field appears, don't walk out of an open door. Let God decide when to close it. Maybe one of the most powerful things we can learn to do is this. I'm about to preach to myself. Wait on God. Blech. hate saying that. I'm in a hurry about everything. But I think that is true. That one of the most powerful things we can learn to do is wait on God. We're promised strength if we'll wait on God. We're promised more clarity if we wait on God. We're promised to be blessed if we wait on God. It's one of the most powerful things you can do. But on the heels of that, let me say, it might be the hardest thing for you and I to do. I don't know about you, but I just said it. I am always in a hurry. And I think we're conditioned by society to be in a hurry. We live from thrill to thrill and from soundbite to soundbite. And everything in life has to fit into a post or a tweet or something like that. And then we're on to the next thing. We just scroll on by. And everything around us moves so quickly and so rapidly. And because of that, if we're not careful, it can cause unrest and turmoil on the inside. And we think if God is not moving at the pace of the world on the outside, then God is not doing what he ought to be doing in my life. I need to change something. I need to make a move. We might have the blessings of a great open door and at the same time feel like we've got to change something just to find satisfaction. And that's because we're conditioned to be a servant to change and not content. You say, what do you mean? 5G. Our cell phone service wasn't fast enough before, so we had to up it. Got to be quicker. Amazon has to get it to us in prime. Two two days, right? Immediate. Can't be three days. Got to be immediate. We want it fast. If you're white, minute rice. Say amen right there. (laughs) Not that I ever eat that, but if I did, it'd have to be that kind, right? Pop-tarts. We got to have it quick. Some of you college men get used to the microwavable meals because that's what it'll be. It's just going to be that way quick, though. We don't want to wait. We've been conditioned. I think about all the different things with investments we make. We want an immediate return. We don't want slow tech. We don't want slow shipping. We don't want anything slow in our society. And here's what we think. When God doesn't keep up with the fast-paced world around us, then God must not be running on time. But can I say God is always running on time. God's purpose is never frustrated. We can't shut the door before God wants it shut. We've got to learn by this, live by this, Lord willing, not I am willing. What if Joseph didn't live by Lord willing and live by I am willing. He'd have missed out on a lot when God exalted him in Egypt. What if Noah had lived by, 
I'm willing and not Lord willing. He'd have been frustrated and over that century of building a boat with no rain. What if Joshua had lived by, I'm willing and not Lord willing. The wall never would have fallen around the city of Jericho. What if David had gotten frustrated, didn't get a throne very quickly, had to wait on God and said, I'm willing and jumped the gun and not said, Lord willing. What if Paul had done that and said, Lord, I'm willing, but maybe God's not him. He'd have missed out on a lot in his life. And it's the same with you and I. It is okay to have fast Wi-Fi. It is okay to have a fast car. It is okay to have a fast business. It is okay to want fast service, but you might not have a fast God. You have a God that is always on time and does all things well. Wait on God. God doesn't have to do anything in a hurry. And in reality, he never does anything in a hurry. He always does everything right on time, every time. Yeah, Isaiah 55 and verse 9, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Ecclesiastes 3, 1, To everything there's a season. That means there's a design period. And there's a time to every purpose. That means there's a designated cause for the time period under heaven. He's saying this, Everything in its right time, for the right reason, will bring the right result. But the right thing at the wrong time bring the wrong result. The wrong thing, of course, wrong result. I don't think you'll find a person who got themselves in trouble by waiting on God. But I think we could make a long list of people today that got themselves in a bunch of tr- a heap of trouble because they would not wait on God. Even if it's difficult, don't close the door. Even if it's boring, you don't close the door. Even if you feel like it's done. By the way, we don't live by feeling. Don't shut the door. Even if God seems like he's distant, don't shut the door. I don't care who calls you. I don't care how much more money you could make. I don't care if it would be easier. I don't care if it's a step up the career ladder. I don't care if your friend says do it. I don't care if you say, well, I prayed about it. I don't care if you want it. I don't care if you can make rational sense of it in your mind. The only factor that determines whether or not we go or we stay is if God is in it. And if God doesn't say move, you stay. And if God says go, then you better move. But let God control the doors in your life. Let's look at it. First Corinthians chapter 16. This is the end of Paul's first letter to this church in Corinth. Now, chapter 15 was very doctrinal, but this chapter is different. It's very personal. And I mentioned it a minute ago. The chapter opens up with Paul admonishing the church in Corinth to receive an offering for the saints in Jerusalem. And if you study those four verses, it's very interesting. There's a good system in those verses for how a church ought to handle their offerings. You notice it. Let's look at it. It says, Now concerning the collection for the saints as I've given to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Here's the first one. Upon the first day of the week. So you got to take up an offering on Sunday. Well, if they're going to take up a collective offering on Sunday, that means they probably had church on Sunday. So you say, when you take up an offering, whenever you have a church service, say amen right there. And then it says, not only on the first day of the week, he said, I want you to take it free will. I don't want you to put a gun to anybody's head and say they have to give. I want them to give out of the willingness of their heart. That's a good principle for an offering. We won't take time to read it all. Then he goes on down and says, pick a man to carry the offering to the church there in Jerusalem. He said, a man who's uh, respectable, a man you can count on, and also write the man's name down. He said, put everything you do about this offering on the books. 
Then there's one more principle. Paul said, do it before I get there. I want to keep my hands off of the money. That's good preaching right there. The preacher ought to have as much buffer between him, amen, and the finances as possible. And I'm glad we do that here. Verse 1 through 4 deals with the funds. But in verse four, uh, the next four verses, verse 5 through verse 9, it deals with following God. Paul has revealed to these Christians he wants to be with them. He longs to see them and he wants to serve with them and be ministered to by these Christians. And in verse 5 he tells them, he said, I will come unto you. So there's no doubt about it. Paul cared for them and Paul loved them and planned to go be with them. He had that desire, and let me say it again, it's not a bad desire, it's a good desire. It's not a bad plan, it is a good plan. He has a burden for them, he wants to be a blessing to them. He's not trying to get out of the will of God or out of the work of God. In fact, that might even extend in his mind the work of God. It's okay that he has that desire. He said, I'm going to come see you in Corinth. And I thought about that. If Paul was fruitful in Ephesus, don't you think he could have been fruitful in Corinth? I think he probably could have built a strong church. I know that church needed work, but he probably could could have established that work and strengthened it. He probably could have seen that carnal city turned upside down like Ephesus. I think that probably Paul could have been just as fruitful in that field as he had been in the field of Ephesus. So it's not a bad desire for him to want to go there. But I like what he says. He said, but I will tarry. And right there is where most Christians will fail in this thing if we're not careful, is we will get the first part right and the second part wrong. We'll assess the opportunity and say, I could make more money there. We'll assess the opportunity and say, I could bear more fruit there. We'll assess the opportunity and say, I think that I could be a blessing there, but not consider is God even in that thing? Maybe God will be in it. Maybe God is in it later, but it might not be right now. And Paul says, if the door has not shut where I am, then I'm not going to come. I'm just not going to come. You can look down through the verses and he says, I'm going to tarry. Every fiber of my flesh wants to be with you now. But God says, not yet. I think there's a still small voice on the inside of Paul that ought to be on the inside of you if you're saved. And he said, Paul, I sure appreciate your burden for them, but not yet. I sure appreciate your desire to be with them, but not yet. I'm glad you love them that way and you want to go, but I want you to tarry. That's a hard thing to do, sit still when you waited for something. Paul had been in that city three years. That's a long time to sit still and wait for something that you want. He said, but I got to wait. And in verse number nine, here's what he says. For a great door and effectual is open unto me. There are many adversaries. That phrase, a great door, means there's a big opportunity where I'm at. There's a significance where I'm at. There's productivity where I'm at. If you study the context, what he's referring to is Acts 19. You read in Acts chapter number 19, it talks about Paul's time there in the city of Ephesus, and you better believe that he was being effective there. You read that entire chapter, and Paul induced power with, uh, with, with, with induced Paul with power, unlike any other man. Miracles are wrought by the hand of Paul. He cast out demons, and you see different things happen. The entire city is turned upside down as people bring their books together and they burn them. And the uh, the the, the uh, those who make idols are irate at Paul, and Paul's really making a difference there. He warns them night and day with tears. His heart is poured out. He establishes a church, and later he'll have Timothy. There. I mean, just all these things are taking place in the city of. Ephesus and Paul stopped long enough to consider maybe it's pretty good where I'm at. Maybe my needs are getting met where I'm at. Maybe God is blessing where I'm at. And as strong as my desire is to go over there, maybe I ought to just wait till God gets in this thing before I make a move. The door hadn't been shut where I am, so I'm going to stay put. 
Let me give you four things to consider and we'll be done. Number one thing about Paul's resolution. He said, I will tarry. Over two years, it says, three total, Paul stayed. Listen to this statement. It is easy to jump. It is hard to anchor. Man, it is easy to jump. That's the first reaction is to jump. It's hard to stay put. We did the... uh, pastor appreciation broadcast on Friday and people wrote in the KMVBC from all over the country and then other places and things and we're talking about how they love their pastor and brother Moyer and I were talking during the break Ethan wasn't talking because he won't but he could have joined in if he wanted to Ethan where are you but anyway we were just sitting there in the room together and we're talking about all of the uh, all the different people that wrote in saying our pastor has been here 40 years our pastor's been here 37 years. Our pastor's been here 50 years. Our pastor's been here so on and so on. And we thought about that, all the longevity of those men. And very few of them that we know their name or their town or their church. But God knows all about that. You know what they did? They planted themselves. You're not going to build much of anything, a life, whatever, a business, a ministry, or anything, if you can't learn to anchor in. And I know that's easy to preach and hard to live. But Paul made that resolution. He said, I'm just going to stay. I, I might get tired of it. I've been here a long time. And, you know, Paul, Paul always had a fire burning under his feet. He moves all the time. I mean, you study his life. He's on the go all the time. He doesn't stay long anywhere. That's probably the longest he ever stayed in one spot. But he said, you know what? If God's not in me moving, then I better get used to staying. I'll stay put. His resolution. But I like this, his reverence. In verse number 90, he calls it a great door. I think one of the reasons he was content to stay was he didn't take it lightly that God had given him something to do in the first place. Discontentment's a dangerous thing whenever we say, well, you you prayed for the job you got, and now you think you need a different one. Hello? Microphone cut out, I think. Nobody said amen. You prayed for the raise that you got, and now you think you need more. Right? Right? You prayed for the house that you have, and now you think you want a different one. Maybe God will give it to you, or maybe you'll outrun God and ruin it. But I tell you how you get content is to realize, man, I'm just blessed in the first place. Shoes on my feet, man, I'm better off than I ought to be. Uh, clothes on my back, I got more than I ought to have. Food on my table, man, I'm blessed. A place to sleep. I tell you what I deserve is hell. Anything other than that, man, I've been blessed. Amen? Everything beyond burning forever in a lake of fire, God's been good to me. You say, well, all I got's a bus route. Man, you got a great open door. You say, all I've got's a Sunday school class. That's a great open door. All I've got are these few kids to raise. That's a great open door. All I've got is whatever it is I've got. Hey, listen, God gave you whatever it is that you've got. Amen? God's the one who blessed you with that. The same God that put whoever it was in a mansion gave you the house you live in. And the same God that gave a million bucks to that dude gave you the thousands that you have. God's the one who gifted you with it. It's a great door. Don't take it lightly. Reverence it. Resolution, the reverence. Then Paul's realization, he said, not only is it a great door and effectual. What he did is he stopped long enough to realize, hey, wait a minute. God's using me where I'm at. Oh, my. Sometimes fruit is not tangible, not something you can touch. But I guarantee you this, in the will of God, you're always bearing fruit. Even if you can't put a number on it, you are bearing some kind of fruit where you are if you're in the will of God. But you get discontent when you start to look for something you can touch or stack or number. Amen. And think, well, I'm not bearing any fruit. Brother Morris, you're bearing fruit with those little boys. Lincoln loves Brother Morris. Kind of makes me mad. I don't know why he likes you more than than me. 
It's not your money that buys him everything. But anyway, he, he loves him. He talks about him all the time. Lincoln, I thought I was feeling so good about myself because he said, I want to ride the soul winning shuttle. And I thought, hallelujah, he's finally talking to me. You know what I mean? It's usually segregation in my house. But anyway, he's finally going to talk to me. I say, ride the soul winning shuttle. He says, you think Brother Morris will ride it? I said, I don't care if he rides it. You know what I mean? I said, Brother Morris is not even saved. He's not going to go soul winning. I'm kidding. I didn't tell him that part. That's between us. But anyway, he's... But you're making a difference. And I understand somebody like that, successful, you know, he probably could think, well, I should teach adults. But you're effectual where you're at. And there's people scattered throughout this place that probably think, well, I don't do anything all day. I just do this, whatever. You're being effectual where you're at. Take time to stop and see how God's blessing it. Then lastly, I like his resilience. Look at the end of the verse. He said, and there's many adversaries. What he's saying is it ain't easy here. But I'm going to stay. I'm not, I'm not even liked in this city, but I'm going to stay. It's difficult. Many tears, anguish of heart, but I think I'll stay. If we don't learn to wait on God one of these days, we're going to do a U-turn, drive back down the road of life, and there'll be somebody there with the sign saying, welcome back, stupid. You should have waited on God. Let me close. A few years ago, I was preaching in Texas. And uh, I forget where, it was somewhere between Houston and Louisiana out there in Texas and things. But anyway, they said, you want to eat alligator? I said, did you say eaten by alligator or eat alligator? They said, do you want to eat alligator? I said, I don't care. They said, it tastes like chicken. I said, well, let's just eat chicken. <laughs> I don't get that either. We grew up, they'd have frog legs. They would well, eat, it tastes like chicken. Like, well, let's just eat chicken. Why would you not just eat chicken? But anyway, um, they said, you want to try alligator? I'm like, no, let's do it. Let's try it, whatever. So they took me to eat alligator, and it's pretty good. It tastes like chicken, you know? It just tastes like chicken. <laughs> anyway, like alligator nuggets. And I'm like, I don't even know what that, how do you make alligator nuggets, you know? But uh, it tastes like chicken. So we ate alligator. We were driving back, and there's a big alligator farm, like where they have real, like live alligators. And uh, they pulled in that alligator farm, and they said, uh, Hey, you want to see alligators? I said, yeah, man, I want to see alligators. And so let's go see them. And we got there, and the thing was closed. And uh, it was not open. In fact, it almost looked like it was abandoned. Scary thing. We looked around, and there was like uh, scum on all the lakes. You couldn't see through the water. It was too murky. And there's this old dock that stretched out there. It looked like it was old rotten dock. And there's a cooler on that dock. But there was a sign on that dock that said, dock closed. Now, I'm not normally this way, but that day I was stubborn and hard. I said, let's just go around it. We'll get a picture. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Let's just do it. And these two fellas from Texas, I'm talking about cowboy guys with their boots and everything. They're like, I don't know. I don't know if we ought to do that. And I said, let's just do it. You know what? When rednecks get together and they say, hey, y'all, watch this. Somebody's going to get hurt. So I said, hey, y'all, let's just go out there and let's just go see what's going on. It said closed, and I should have listened, because the door wasn't open. Obviously, it was not open. And uh, I'm not really into watching, you know, we, we don't watch TV. We watch the radio at our house. We're so separated. But anyway, I'm just kidding. But anyway, it's like one of them spooky movies with the fog floating across the water, and you, know, you can just hear, you know, there's just ghosts and mother-in-laws everywhere. It's just it's wicked. But anyway, you can just see that thing stretched out there. And these two dudes, are, they're bigger than me, big Texas strong men, you know, whatever. And we go walking out through there, and it said closed, and we just went right around that thing. And I'm looking for alligators everywhere. I'm thinking, man, the, you know, Steve Irwin, rest in peace, you know, a crocodile hunter. But anyway, we're just walking out there. 
Didn't see anything. Every stick that floated by was an alligator. I mean, just knew it was. Scared me to death. I didn't grow up around anything like that. But anyway, we're just uh, walking out there and looking around. There's a cooler, I said, at the end of that dock right by there. And I was looking at it, and that cooler said, alligator food. I thought, man, that's good. No wonder we're not seeing any alligators. You got to feed them. I mean, obviously. I mean, it's just like it is with ducks in the water, and you throw the duck food out. And I said, you probably feed the alligators, you know, like little pellets or something like that. And there's nobody around. The thing's closed down. The thing said closed. And I said, I said let's just get some alligator food, and we'll chum it out there and see if something comes up. And those fellows said, I don't think you ought to do that. I said, well, it's not like they're going to eat us or anything. There's food in the cooler, and we're not supposed to be out there. It's closed. I should have stopped. The door wasn't open. I hate to even tell this publicly because they'll watch this service and they'll get that video and air it out on social media because I know they filmed it with their phone. They said, well, you open the cooler and get the food out. And I said, I'll do it, you big sissy. And somebody had, with a string, inside of that lid of that cooler, taped a long rubber snake. <laughs> and there's nobody there. Nobody. It is empty and vacant, but they left it there to mess with people that did not obey the closed sign. And I went over there, <laughs> oh my, I went over there and did this. And when I did that, that snake came up out of that thing. And I went, Wah! like scream. I, I like, ah, and took off running. And those guys almost fell in the water laughing at me. And the guy's like with his phone, like, you idiot. You know, no. Oh my. I'll never forget that as long as I live. They told, they told everybody at church that it killed the entire meeting the whole time. Everybody was bringing fake snakes to church and re- waving them at me. And like, he thought he was tough. You know, it's like, oh, it, it hurt my heart. I mean, honestly, it affected me and still does to this day. I should have stopped. It said closed. Now, listen, that's a silly true story. I haven't gone back to Texas since. I could care less about Texas. I hope all of the liberals move down there, ruin it. Bunch of snakes anyway, amen. But the thing is, listen, that sign, obviously, it said closed. I never would have had to go through the humiliation of squealing like a third grade girl had I stopped at the closed sign. Today, listen, if God has not opened the door, don't kick it down. And if God has not shut the door, whatever it is, then don't you get a hold of it and try to shut it. Wait. Hold still. Trust God. Let's bow our heads just for a moment. That's my thought. Just an easy, simple thought. But I pray it will help somebody. Maybe you're a businessman. You need to wait. Maybe you're a ministry person and you need to just let God control it. Maybe it's a family thing. You need to let God have his way. Don't kick it down and don't shut it behind you. Let God control your door. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.